We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into a Wednesday edition, the Roto. I can't even say it, Brandon. We're two seconds into the pod, the RotoWire Fantasy Basketball Pod. This is this is what happens when we record early in the morning here in Central Time, and the temperature drops fifty degrees overnight uh, as right. it did here in Milwaukee. I was I was on the golf course yesterday afternoon, having a great time. It was seventy three degrees. I woke up this morning, and there's a wind chill freezing advisory. Like we we literally lost fifty degrees overnight. So I, I'm a little bit disoriented here. You have to forgive me. Uh, before we get into some of the topics we want to hit today, we had a huge Tuesday night in the NBA, uh, an uncharacteristically large Tuesday night. So we'll talk about some of the takeaways there, any injury news, any player news we have going into a smaller slate Wednesday. want to talk to Victor Wembanyama as far as where he's going to go in fantasy drafts next year. We'll talk about some of the risers and fallers uh, in terms of season-long value. Uh, but first and foremost, Brandon, you're doing surprise picks content for us over at RotoWire. So I want to encourage everybody right away to check that out, you can find each video on our RotoWire NBA Twitter account. You can find it on the RotoWire Twitter account. I retweet it. Brandon retweets it. You throw it up on, on TikTok, Instagram. Um, we know Prize Picks is is huge, especially this time of year when a lot of people are dropping out of their season long leagues, losing some interest. Uh, so make sure you check out RotoWire.com/slash/picks. And Brandon's just going to give you free money every night on Twitter. It sounds like. Well, that's the hope. Uh, I will tell you, I'm putting my all into this, okay? I'm not just throwing picks together haphazardly, So, and, and I'm taking the ride with you. Anything that I hand out, I'll put my own money on it. Uh, that way, if you lose, I lose too. So that's my, that's my personal guarantee. And I, uh, So the picks have been okay the first couple of days that we've done this, um, but in terms of the parlay action that goes into a prize pick, you got to hit both. That has not yet happened in the first two days. I've gone one and one in the first two uh, picks in the pick series. So not awful, but not good enough. I had Asar Thompson over five and a half rebounds on Monday. He had four. I had um, Io DeSumo to hit just two threes. That's all he had to do. And he was 0 for 5 from three-point range. A stat line that he has not produced in ages now. So... Um, just got to get some of that reverse bounce luck in my favor, but, um, the, I, and I'm not just saying this because we are on a RotoWire podcast, but the RotoWire, I, I start at the base of 
the Rotowire picks and props tool on the website, it is invaluable just to see the the weighted hit rate. So that is what I gravitate to first and foremost. And then I back my research out from that. But it's a great place to start mm-hmm. to get an idea of how likely is this to happen. And then let's see if there are reasons that yeah. I can back that up. Especially on a night like last night where you have 11 games and you're looking at the board on prize picks. And oh, like, it's overwhelming. I have, yeah. yeah, I have no idea where to start here. There's so many options for each player. Um, this at least, you know, it's not it's not just going to say, hey, here are the locks of the night that we'll never lose, but it's going to point you in the right direction. Um, we expect you, however, Brandon, to be hitting 100%. So we got to get things turned around here. I mean, obviously, any any loser is unacceptable. I had a rough night on prize picks, too, last night. I, I, I went, went ham, as they say, and, and threw in a bunch of entries. One of my worst picks of the year, Derek White over two and a half threes. I was like, this is the night. You know, they're, they're going to go crazy. Philly's been terrible on defense. Boston, they, they take more threes than any team in the league. Last night, they just decided not to do that and instead win the game a different way. Derek White, extremely quiet night for him. He didn't really do anything. Uh, the big hits for me, I hate to, to rub this in, Brandon. I went Io DeSumo over four assists. He had six, oh, man. Uh, which is amazing because the Bulls went two of 29 from three and barely made any shots the entire night. So I, I think every made field goal was actually an assist for Ayo DeSumo. We were really threading the needle there. Um, I, I went big on Zion, PRA. You know, we're, we're seeing points Zion right now with CJ McCollum yeah. out of the lineup. The assist production's been up. He had a nice night. Uh, and then we we went pretty big on Jalen Johnson as well. That was my best bet uh, on our, our Rotowire betting article yesterday, over 17 and a half points. We took the over on 27 and a half points plus rebounds. And that, I mean, that's just a dream matchup. Atlanta, Utah right now might be the most fantasy friendly matchup possible. And really by, by that game standards, it wasn't even that high scoring. Utah only got to 97. Yeah. And I, well, actually one of the reasons that I, it, it led me to a pick for tonight, if we're going to project forward talking yeah. about point Zion and, and, they're on the second night of a back-to-back. Zion has been putting up big numbers, but he's also been turning the ball over a lot. This is not a natural sort of position for him going up against a Pacers team. When you're gassed, you don't really want to go up against the Pacers in Indiana. So I'm thinking Tyrese Halliburton's going to have a field day, steals and blocks. So that was one of the over one and a half feels like the lock of the century tonight. I, I like Halliburton tonight a lot. I mean, he's coming off of, you could argue, like his worst game of the year against Toronto the other night. Um, he, he just doesn't really have games like that anymore, right? I mean, he's, he's at that level, you know, where it, it feels like, you know, an off game for him is like 15 points in tennis. He had nine points, two of 11 shooting, one of six from three. He really hasn't shot the ball well coming out of the break whatsoever. So I think this should be a pretty good bounce back spot uh, for him tonight. Uh, we, we got a question about Jaron Jackson uh, in the chat, Brandon, and I want to hit that right away. It's, uh, it's extra prescient. I don't know if you're aware. I traded Jaron Jackson. I finally rid myself you did. of Jaron Jackson What'd in we get? the Snake League. I flipped him straight up for Alperin Shangoon. I love that. I it was it was something I had to do. All right, given the my category needs, given the fact that I think he might be shut down, and I have a feeling that's where uh, that this question may be going. So Christian says I was offered a trade for Jaron Jackson and Jabari Smith. Should I accept? I've already lost Embiid, uh, and he follows up and says I was offered Anthony Davis for those two players. So AD. For Jaron Jackson and Jabari Smith, 12-team category league. Again, he's already lost Embiid. Says he is worried about Anthony Davis's health as well. I think I would just take the deal. If you've lost Embiid, you know, you're you're probably 
you're probably doing okay because Embiid was so dominant for you know the first basically two thirds of the season that you know you, you're likely staying afloat and you're looking to to find a way to compensate for that. If this is a league that goes all the way through game 82, you know maybe you get some Embiid back for a week or two at the end of the season. That would be huge. Obviously, there are concerns about Anthony Davis. There are concerns for me about Jaron Jackson being shut down. And and I like Jabari Smith, but you know the Rockets are kind of back to having too many guys yet again. I think there's too much upside here with Anthony Davis. And I know you're, you're always waiting on the injury. He's a ticking time bomb. It hasn't happened yet, but you know, unless you're, you're still somehow sitting in first place here and, and you could kind of ride this out and run out the clock. If you, if you feel like you need to make a move to move up, I, I think this is a pretty good option. Yeah. And this could be, you know, this could come back to, to, to bite me in the, in the backside here, but uh, Anthony Davis has actually been a pretty clean bill of health this year. So this could be one yeah, of those seasons where he's, yeah, it's uh, I'm sure that this will change in a, in, in a moment. I mean, gave him the old broadcaster jinx right there, but I, I like the deal. Um, you're getting the best player involved in the trade. And you're trying to supplement what you've lost in Joel mm-hmm. Embiid. My question to you is, is I've seen this bantered about among fantasy uh, basketball players out there. Are you dropping Joel Embiid based on the latest report where he's not going to come back until it, we're probably looking at like mid-March? I mean, at that point, you're already deep into the fantasy playoffs. Is it yeah. even worth it? It, it to me, it totally depends on your league format. Like if your league ends, you know, some leagues end like before April even, or, you know, first week in April in that situation, I guess I would drop him. Um, you know, it, I think the thing is, if you can, if you can just like make the playoffs in a head to head league and then you get it back for the playoffs, you know, that's a lot different than trying to, you know, climb from seventh to first in a category league. Right. So I, I think in a head to head league, especially if you have an IR spot or multiple IR spots, I would be terrified to drop him just to, just in case, because like, even if you just get that one week, like if you can, if you can make it through the first round of the playoffs, you're in the final four and then that comes back, your team is completely different, right? That, that is as big of a boost as you could possibly get. And yeah, you could say there might be a ramp up period for Embiid. I get that. But even like a limit, even if Embiid plays like 25 minutes, he's still going to be like a top 12. Still starter, right. So I, I, my, my answer would be, yeah, unless your season ends, earlier than average or, or even, you know, I, I, you know, if it ends the first week in April, I would still hold on to him. I, I would, I, I think there's, there's too much upside here. We're not talking about a guy who's like maybe giving you top 75 production. We're talking about like far and away the best fantasy player in the league. Right. Yeah. Even if you get that, even if you get it for one game, honestly, it's, it's worth it. So depends on how shallow your bench is, what your team's looking like right now. And like Nick said, I think the most important thing is when does your league actually end? Uh, that date is going to factor in a lot, but it's something that I know people are are thinking about. And I wonder if Christian here has already made that move. He didn't really say whether or not Embiid is still on his roster. Yeah, it's again very dependent on on what your league settings are. Um, I want to talk about a few things from last night. We mentioned the the Desumu curse. Uh, we, we won't bring that up anymore. You know, there was an article yesterday in ESPN about the. The NBA competition committee, which I believe is is helmed by Joe Dumars, you know, talking about ways to to kind of give advantages back to the defense. You know, maybe the pendulum has swung too far in favor of the offense. And this is this is the debate that comes up one way or the other, like every 10 to 20 years. Right. I mean, in in the mid 2000s, it was all right. Defense is, is overwhelming. You know, this is not fun to watch. We need to find ways to open things up for the offense. They eliminate the hand check rule, things like that. And now we've gone too far. Uh, but last night was a, a 
abnormally low scoring night across the NBA, right? 81 points for Brooklyn, 97 for Utah, 99 for Philly. The team I really want to talk about, the Charlotte Hornets. My goodness. Uh, they, they got to 85. You, you see that? You're like 123, 85. Yeah, maybe that's what we expect. Bucks are the better team. Brandon, the Charlotte Hornets had 26 points at halftime. 26. That is the lowest scoring half, obviously, of the NBA season by eight points. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers had 34 the other night. I think that was Sunday um, in, in a loss. And I was making fun of the Blazers on the pod on Monday for that. I apologize. I did not see this coming. 26 first half points for Charlotte. Absolutely pathetic. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a really bad basketball team. And I think at this point in the year, you're, what you're seeing are the teams that are cratering out offensively are the teams that we have no expectations for to begin with. You get to this point in the season, and I think when you get past the All-Star break, these teams just look and go, how quickly can we wrap this up? I yep. think there are a number of these teams, the Hornets included in, it, in this, that just want to get to the finish line here. And so you're going to have more of these type of games. I think it's a more of a reason to look at a team that's favored by double digits in the NBA. Don't be scared off by that on certain situations because yeah. I think you're going to see these teams cover at a more alarming rate uh, than, than we've even seen in the past. This also helps in terms of betting unders because uh, if you have one team that's scoring 85, rarely is an over being hit uh, for the overall game. And, mm -hmm. and so not exactly a surprise that we're seeing that from teams like the Hornets, the Blazers. Uh, I saw it happen at the Kia Center um, the yeah. artist formerly known as the Amway Center last night against the Brooklyn Nets, another one of those teams oh, that just goodness. cannot Nets, wait man. for the season to end. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Uh, the Nets to me, you know, Alex and I talk about this on the Roadwire NBA show on Sirius XM NBA. You know, we, we try to give out a best bet for, for each game and, you know, try to at least give one out for each team, you know, especially on a smaller slate, whenever the Nets are featured, like we just, it's so hard to come up with anything, man. Like there's, yeah, what do you do? there's nobody on this team who's dependable night to night. Like I, I thought McCall Bridges would be one of the safest, highest floor fantasy guys, you know, betting guys in the 
Um, you know, they lose Cam Thomas earlier this week. That's a hit for for scoring, obviously, in, in fantasy. And, you know, I thought last night was actually maybe a decent spot for them. You're catching Orlando without Paolo Bancaro, and you still get blown out in, in that fashion. I mean, ugh, Orlando only put up 108, right? I mean, they're not a high-scoring team necessarily, but it's not like Orlando played that well. I mean, they, they didn't shoot it well from three. They, they, they did have a big night at the line. They got to the line 25 times, but Brooklyn's just, the, the, the just box out of option, score. Man. The box score for that game is a little bit misleading because a lot of those the, things really cratered out for the Magic at the end of the game. They didn't need to play anybody in the fourth right. quarter, so you you had the you had the end of the bench guys out there that really that, that tanked those percentages. But as I talked about this on the post game show last night. Really, if you want to judge the game, you had to look at the end of the third quarter box score, and the Magic were shooting fifty eight percent from the field, thirty nine percent from three point range. At that point in the game, that was more indicative of the type of game yeah. that they were playing. But yeah, it came down to the defense and the fact that Mikael Bridges just couldn't make anything. I thought the Magic did a good job putting their a hand in his face, but still, this is a guy. Last time they played, last time the Nets played the Magic, he dropped forty two, and he usually right. kills this team. The, the Nets have two wins over the Magic already this year. Both of them are are by twenty or more. Um, so I think there was. Uh, situationally, you're right. No Paolo Bancaro. Jonathan Isaac is out. Uh, coming back off of a road trip is always a tough spot for teams, but there's nothing quite as invigorating for an NBA team as the revenge factor. When you have been blown out by another team, these professionals are petty. They remember that stuff, and and I think they were waiting to kind of give it back to the Nets, and the Nets aren't very good to begin with. I do want to go back to that Milwaukee-Charlotte game, and I, I have nothing else to say about the Hornets, uh, although you know, I'm kind of disappointed in, in Trey Mann, who I was really fired up to, to grab off waivers. He actually played okay. I mean, he, he gave you 16-4-3-2 last night. Um, you know, one of those guys that I think might end up being kind of a sneaky league winner uh, in some formats. But Damian Lillard, you know, he's, he's been the subject of, of some degree of ire, specifically from me uh, over the last couple of, of months here. He's been disappointing. Uh, you know, you're kind of expecting some more of those splash performances. And, you know, we talked coming out of the break of, do we see a different version of Damian Lillard? Not, you know, is he going to parlay winning the three point contest into being back? But there did seem to be kind of a mental reset for him. You know, he's talked pretty openly about it on, on podcasts. And we've heard Doc Rivers talk about it. Some of the changes that he's brought and Lillard to me looks more like himself, right? Like there, there was a clip of, of Patrick Beverly. I think it was on his own pod talking about the conversation he had with Lillard. And for one, they, they squashed their beef. Apparently they went out to dinner. That's, that's all well and good. But you know, what was more intriguing to me is that he told Damian Lillard, like, Hey, where, where are the, the 35 footers, right? Like that's, that's kind of your bread and butter. You and Steph, you're the guys that shoot those. He's like, where's those bet? You know? And, and it kind of sounded like Dame didn't want to step on anybody's toes. He didn't want to come in and, and launch what might be viewed as a bad shot. And Pat Bev basically told him like, Hey man, that's your game. You need to start doing that. And if you're watching last night, <laughs> Lillard had a couple of those, Three games now out of the break, 23 points, eight rebounds, almost nine assists per game. He's piling up steals. He's hitting threes at 40%. Obviously, it's a small sample. Um, you know, two of those games came against Charlotte and Philly, which are two of the worst defenses in the NBA. Although recently, Charlotte's defensive numbers actually look okay. Maybe not so much after last night. Um, but I, I really think there is a, a visual difference in the, the version of Dame Lillard that we've seen just in these last three games. So are you telling me then? that the all-star game has woken him up. No, we no, said that would be a said. ridiculous talking point, but here we are. No, the all-star -star break, break, the all-star break has woken him up. Whatever happened, not over the actual all-star, all 
No, okay. I don't. I don't think he, he picked up any confidence in the All Star game or the three point contest. No, I don't. No, I don't no. think that's the case. If anything, you, you normally see some guys struggle after participating in something like that. It's like the the home run derby in, in baseball. Uh, no, I, I think I, I think we're starting to see the Doc Rivers impact as far as you know. Like there was there was that other report, you know, that Doc went player by player and said, "This is what we need from you," right? And I don't think that was happening with Adrian Griffin. I think there was some confusion, especially among the role guys who were in the rotation one night, out of the rotation the other. I, I just really like how this Bucks team is playing. I'm not saying I'm, I'm picking them over Boston to win the East. I, I still think depth is going to be a big issue for them, especially on the wing. You know, they didn't really go out and add that that wing defender that we've been talking about all year that they need. In fact, they went the other way and, and added Danilo Gallinari, who was like maybe the worst wing defender in the NBA. Um, so I, I I just feel better about Lillard overall. You know, I was I was trying to trade him frantically like before the All Star break. You know, I was, I was sending out offers left and right. Nobody wanted him. Maybe I was shooting a little bit too high. Um, but you know, I I actually kind of feel good about his fantasy prospects down the stretch. We all need a Patrick Be- Beverly in our lives. Just somebody that reminds you that you are that guy, yeah. wakes you back up, and uh, it's great to see because Damian Lillard is. At his best, one of the best players in the NBA. And this year, he is a guy, especially in the fantasy community, we have been like hands off on uh, on Damian Lillard moving forward. So uh, if if he's able to keep this up and turn it around and do this against some of the top-level competition in the NBA, then I think it shapes up for a really exciting postseason. And for those that have hung on to Damian Lillard and haven't traded him away, uh, this is this is something that, um, it's paying dividends at the exact right time in the season for you. Let's hit a few more questions, then we'll talk some Victor Weminyama. Uh, Free Key, a regular in the chat, says, Yo, is Draymond a 10-team, 9-cat guy? He says, I'm punting three, so I scooped him up. Uh, somebody dropped him, and I don't know if it's because they're trying to make the playoffs or what. Uh, yeah, I mean, 10-team league, this becomes a little bit more of a debate, but I, I, I think he's absolutely somebody that should be rostered, right? I mean, you look at the season long numbers and he's like a borderline top 90 guy, but since coming back from the suspension, he's been a lot better, um, you know, still giving you Draymond numbers, right? So you got to be realistic. There's going to be a lot of nights where he's got like four points, uh, but the rebounding has been better. Uh, the assists, you know, he's given you almost six assists per game since he came back about one block, one steal, one three. Um, so, you know, there's not going to be the, like with Draymond, you, you never get the splash night, right? Where it's like, Oh, he went for 40. Like, you know, you, you just got to get that steady production every single game, but yeah, even in a 10-team league, if somebody dropped him, I mean, he absolutely should be rostered. Maybe you're not starting him every single week, but I, I think you're totally fine picking him up. Yeah, I think pre-All-Star break, we saw him go for 23 against the Utah Jazz in a really high-scoring game. That's about as good as it's going to get offensively, and even that is asking for a lot based on what he does. But the rebounding and the assists are going to be there, and I and I think part of the reason we – can feel better about Draymond is because we're starting to feel better about the Golden State Warriors. This is a team that doesn't feel as dead as they once did. They've been picking up wins um, by the caseload recently. So Draymond settled back into his role, and I think they've found other guys to help keep the uh, the freshness of this team, of Pajemski and, and the way that Kaminga's been playing. And, of course, Steph is going to bring his, but... Uh, I think that I think the suspension served Draymond well. It seems like he's mm-hmm. more zen and kind of playing his brand of basketball more consistently. Yeah, I, you're never going to look at a an 11 point win on the road at Washington as like a you know a huge victory. But I actually thought last night. I mean, that was a game they could have lost. Like Washington was Washington was hitting some threes. Uh, you know, Corey Kispert played well. Andrew Shamit gave them some good minutes. Uh, Jordan Poole did not play well. 
Uh, I mean, they had three 20-point scorers in the starting lineup. Warriors were down Wiggins. Obviously, you're still bringing Clay off the bench. You're reintegrating Chris Paul. And Steph Curry did not play well. I mean, at one point, he was 2 of 12 from 3. Ended up hitting a couple late to, to help them seal that game. But um, I was actually impressed by the way the Warriors battled on a night when shots really were not falling for their best player. And it was another great night for Jonathan Kaminga. 10 of 13 from the field, 21 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists. You know, not buying in on Kaminga earlier in the season, you know, when he, when he started to break out, you know, especially when Straymond was first suspended. That's one of my biggest regrets. Yeah, I, I, I kind of thought it was fool's gold, and he's taken a big step forward. He has, and I, it, I mean, you just can't buy into everybody. We see guys at that point in the season, October, you're still excited that you just drafted this roster. You want to see how that plays out. By the time you get to mid-November, early December, you know, especially as we get close to Christmas, you end up in scramble mode because you're dealing with injuries or some guys just aren't coming through um, on your roster. And then, yeah, there are guys on the waiver wire that, you can't pick up everybody, so you have to you have to be selective, and you're going to have hits, you're going to have misses. Jonathan Kaminga is one of those guys that if you were able to scoop him up early, you're feeling pretty good about it. Mm-hmm. But how about Clay Thompson too? His move to the bench seems to have reinvigorated yeah. his game too. It's another reason why we can start to like this team a little bit more. And Chris Paul um, is, you know, he's uh, back with this team now too. So all of a sudden they've got depth. Uh, a team that we looked at as sort of top-heavy and old. Um, all of a sudden, it, they look deep, and, uh, and they've got guys everywhere. I mean, we got Dallas, Golden State, and the Lakers that all might be playing teams right now, right? I mean, it, it, the, the West, the bottom of the West is so strong. It's like poor Sacramento, uh, poor you know New Orleans, if they end up as the seven. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to play any of those teams in a, in a one-game must-win scenario. And Golden State now has jumped ahead of the Lakers for the nine spots. In the West, uh, Clay, by the way, 4.4 made threes per game at 45% since moving to the bench. And that's with, you know, that stinker against the Lakers uh, where he had just three points in 28 minutes. So you take that out. It looks even better. Uh, a couple more questions here. Andrew says, should I drop Paul Reed to pick up Royce O'Neal in a points league? I I don't know if I would do that. I mean, Royce O'Neal is coming off of that big game the other night. That was arguably his best game of the season. Uh, Paul Reed is coming off of an absolutely terrible game last night against Boston. That's just a bad matchup for him. Uh, only played 14 minutes. That's what's a little more concerning is like, despite Paul Reed being the very obvious replacement for Joel Embiid, the minutes still haven't been there every single night. Um, but I would, I would be a little cautious of buying in hard on, on Royce O'Neal. Like this, this reminds me of the, the Harrison Barnes, you know, like two game breakout earlier this year where I foolishly rushed out to the waiver wire and he immediately reverted back to being Harrison Barnes. Yeah, but that's the concern on on Paul Reed's side is that we're all waiting for him to put up these numbers, nothing like Joel Embiid, but just some level of consistency because of the opportunity that he's been given and it's not there. I think I'd rather take my chance on on Royce O'Neal and just kind of see how it goes. Prior to last night when Paul Reed was scoreless with three rebounds in 14 minutes, last seven games, 11 points, nine boards, 1.4 blocks. Again, if you need threes specifically, uh, you know, then maybe I would lean Royce O'Neal. But you also have to keep in mind that you know Phoenix was down multiple wings. You know, they were without Gordon and Beal the other night, so that led to you know increased opportunity for Royce O'Neal. That's not always going to be there. I still lean Paul Reed. It's going to be frustrating, but you know neither of these guys are, are ultimately you know every week starters necessarily. 
Uh, Matt says, would you prefer uh, – which of the two players would you prefer as a stash for the playoffs? My apologies. Grady Dick or Taylor Hendricks? So we got two uh, kind of late lottery rookies here. This is a head-to-head Yahoo points league. With it being a points league, Brandon, I I think I would default to Taylor Hendricks. But, I mean, Grady Dick's played well. The, the thing is, you know, he's he's definitely more than a three-point shooter. I think we saw that at Kansas. You know, it, a lot of people see him like, oh, he'll just be Kyle Korver. And it's like, I think he can do more long-term. But, you know, Alex made a good point on Monday. He's like, for the current context of the Raptors, he kind of just is a three-point shooter for them. Uh, I mean, he went four for four against Indy the other night. He was two for five in his previous game against Atlanta. Those are two cake matchups, uh, about as good of matchups as you're going to find right now. Uh, Hendricks to me is going to be a little bit more up and down. Um, I, I do think in a points league though, I would still prefer Taylor Hendricks. What say you? I tend to lean Grady Dick. I think he's okay. just going to be a bigger part of the offense. So there's more, more volume available. Um, for Grady Dick and uh, but if you're looking for the defensive stats he's not going to give you really any of that and that that'll be all Taylor Hendricks it's close but I I tend to lean Grady Dick I would I would favor the three-point shooting Hendricks is averaging about two more fantasy points per game so far I mean small sample neither of these guys have been in the rotation all that much this season so it's it's, it is close to a wash but again points league I lean Hendricks you lean Dick that's totally fair Uh, Mr. A says do I drop Paul Reed for Nick Richards that's an interesting one. You know, Richards had the huge game over the weekend, 21, 10, 3, and 2. 6.7 boards last night against Milwaukee. I mean, really nobody played well for the Hornets. You could kind of write that one off. It, I mean, on aggregate, Nick Richards has been better than Paul Reed. I, there's really no debate about that. So I would say yes, like especially if you're in the camp that Mark Williams isn't coming back, which uh, Alex has been on this since like early December. I think he called. He's like, I don't think we see him again this year. And it is starting to trend that way. So yeah, I, I think I would drop Richard or I would drop Reed for Richards. Yeah, I agree. And I like some of the totals that we've seen recently as well. Um, he's been seven rebounds or more in every game that he has played dating back to the seventh of this month, this month. So you're getting that you get the blocks from him scored 21 points a couple nights back against Portland. So it's it, it, some of it's going to be matchup based. I mean, if you set your lineup for the week, you don't really get to play that game, but if the Hornets play in an equally bad team or something close to it, he should have himself a good game. What you're going to have to deal with are nights where the team scores in the 80s, apparently. Yeah, I don't. This might not be the last time uh, that we see Charlotte, right. you know, struggling to get to 90 points. Uh, good question on Daniel Gafford from Brian. He says, "Is Gafford a drop?" Uh, we have not talked about this yet, Brian. Uh, appreciate you jumping in on the stream. Yeah, he's played 17, 19, and 7 minutes over the last three games. Hasn't really been doing a whole lot. Uh, I mean, last night especially is concerning, right? The the 7 minutes in. And, you know, Cleveland's the type of team that you think you'd see more Daniel Gafford, right? They're, they're the rare team that throws, like, true, two true big men out there. Um, so if he's only playing 7 minutes with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley out there, that to me is concerning. Um, you know, late season when you don't really have as much time to to react and you know see how it goes over the next few weeks. If there's somebody out there, if you're in a 10 or 12 team league, I, I think you probably have to drop it right now. Right. I think that we, yeah. we have to work with the information that we've been given. It's not going to kill you if you drop him, but I do think it's a little hasty. These are three bad games. The most concerning part is the minutes of all he's dipped below 20 in his last three games and the production has dipped alongside that. But this could also just be a three-game spell. Still getting acclimated to a new team. You've got to factor that in 
as well. If you have to make a move, go ahead and do it. But I don't think he's a must drop player by any, by any means. Yeah, maybe not must drop, but if we if we have another game like that where he's you know under ten minutes, they play tonight at Toronto, so we'll get our answer in short order. Um, you know, at that point he he might be must drop. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just I, I like what Dallas did to add depth in terms of real life, but fantasy wise, for Gafford, for Washington, for Lively, it's kind of a downgrade for all three. Uh, by the way, I'm, I'm sure you saw Max Struess last night. Oh my god, he came in late. You know, they're they're trailing the Mavericks. Five for five from three, including that 50-footer to win it in five minutes of action. Well, when you're hot, you're hot. <laughs> that was nuts. Yeah. He hits, I think he hit seven threes last night. Was that the number? Was, I believe so. Seven threes. That's the first time he's done that since the first game of the season. It. Uh, so the, he has not been the marksman that they thought they were going to get, but – I. I feel like last night's game and the way that that ended with uh, what was almost a three-quarter court shot to win the game, that pays for the contract, doesn't it? That was unreal. I mean, that, that, the only thing that kind of reminded me of that is, like, we've seen Clay Thompson have some moments, you know, where he just gets hot. I mean, I think four of those threes came on four consecutive possessions, and then there was a bit of a gap before the the game winner, obviously, at the end. I mean, that was unreal performance by Max Drews, who was, you know, in a bit of a shooting slump, like you said, Coming into that game, last eight games, he was shooting 23% from three. And then he goes seven of 10 last night. Uh, let's talk to Victor Webinyama, Brandon. Uh, I mean, there's no real news here. Like, Webinyama at this point uh, is just giving us like four to seven highlights per night. Uh, I believe Monte Morris was the primary victim last night where he, I think he he thought he had Webinyama baseline to kind of sneak one of those like no look layups. And, and Webinyama literally just caught it with one hand and looked at him like, What are you doing, Monte Morris? You're 5'11. Uh, 17, 13, 5, 4, and 2 for Webinyama uh, in what was a really tough matchup against Minnesota, although they did not have Carl Anthony Towns. You know, his his like steals and blocks props are, are borderline comical these days, Brandon. Like it's minimum four and a half. Like he's at five and a half some nights. Like that is insane. No, yeah. Nobody steals Brock's prop is five and a half, but you understand why. I mean, last six games, especially 5.3 blocks, 2.7 steals per game. He's giving you eight blocks plus steals per game. I, I know the 10 block game against Toronto is, is carrying some water there, but uh, this, what this is leading me to Brandon is looking at Victor Webinyama season long, despite being on a minutes limit, despite I would say getting off to a relatively slow start compared to the Webinyama that we've seen the last month. He is the number seven overall fantasy player in terms of per game value. He's also stayed healthy. Right. And you know, this is something that I think it was Rosillo or, or Bill Simmons. Somebody brought up and they're like, I kind of figured he would have more of these like porzingis type of injuries, right? Where he's fly he's like on the ground, he's falling awkwardly. Like that does not happen, right? It's clear that this guy puts in the work on his balance and, you know, there, there's all the stuff made about like his foot strength and stuff like that. I mean, right. the fact that there's not even been like an injury scare all year for Webinyama, I think has to go down as a huge victory because I think the numbers are maybe not that surprising because we knew he had this level of talent, but I thought there'd be a lot more like a uh, second night of a back-to-back we're holding him out. Uh, you know, he's going to miss three games here. We're being cautious. Like, he has been a, a perfect bill of health, uh, I think, relative to expectations. The question is, how high are you taking him? W would you consider him at number one over Jokic or SGA or Doncic or Embiid next season? I don't think I'm taking him over those guys, but I think I'm taking him right after. Uh, uh, and I'd take and him not, over Embiid. I would take him over Embiid, too. I wouldn't take him over Jokic. I wouldn't take him over SGA. Uh, I would start debating it around Doncic. I think that's the that's around the range. This is my biggest victory lap of the entire season. I was all in 
on Victor Wimbanyama, the fantasy asset. I did not want to miss out on this. I get a lot wrong. This was not one of them. Um, so I'm, I was pretty much all in. I took him in our, uh, our Vegas draft. He was yep. my second pick. And, and I had a, I had a few people looking at me sideways when that happened. Um, and, and now, I mean, I'm not second overall, but second round pick. Yep. Um, I wasn't that crazy, but yeah, going into next year, it's, uh, it's wheels up. I'm thinking fourth overall, third, fourth overall sounds about right for Victor Wembanyama. And on the health front, it is funny how we do this just because he's tall and lanky. We just assume we diagnose him as injury prone. There is no evidence coming into the NBA that he had injury issues. This wasn't something he dealt with in France. We just assumed yeah. because you've seen it time and time again. Uh, but until a guy, I think it's a lesson for all of us. Until a guy shows you that he's injury prone, don't just assume that he is based on build. It doesn't always work that way. Yeah. So for me, he's in contention for that number one pick. Absolutely. Because I, I think you have to, just like any second year player, you project a jump. Right. Uh, I think first and foremost, a jump in minutes. I, I would hope that he's not playing 28 minutes a game in year two. Uh, we'll see what that Spurs roster ultimately looks like and if they could be a more competitive team. But, you know, I mean, on the year, he's at 20 and a half points, 10 rebounds, three assists, 1.3 steals, 3.3 blocks. It's like we, we've seen a lot of players, especially superstar players. You think of like the leap that LeBron made from year one to year two. He added like eight or nine points per game. You know, he added a couple of assists, a couple of steals, a couple, you know, a couple of rebounds. I don't see why Wembenyama can't necessarily do that, right? It's like the rebounds one, that that one's interesting. It's like, can he, maybe that's just more of a per minute projection. Like is he, if he's playing 34 minutes, does he go from 10 rebounds to 12 rebounds? Like, yeah, I think you can see that. Um, I think he could be a 25 point score pretty easily. I think he could be closer to four or five assists. The passing is the number one thing that stuck out to me, Brandon. I, I know like that the shot blocking is what tends to grab most of the highlights on Twitter. The passing is unreal. And the amount of blown assists that he's had that don't make the highlight real because nobody finishes it. Like <laughs> he, he makes like flashy passes. Right. And I, I know some people look at that and say, Oh, you're hot dogging. Coaches don't like that. What's the point. I was victimized by that uh, as a, as a high school player. Those are effective. I will tell you people do it. Yeah. It looks cool. That's, that's like 40% of the reason that you make a pass like that. But the other reason is it's effective. You're, you're misleading the defense, right? You're, you're generating yeah. a, a more open look than you would if you may, if you look at somebody and drop them a bounce pass, as opposed to flipping it behind your back. And, you know, Webanyama has that, like, you can't just learn that type of thing. Like those type of players, you're just, you're kind of born with that, with that gene. Like, you know, nobody just develops into a flashy player or develops into kind of having that sixth sense for passing. And you know, that, that to me has been a surprise. We knew Webanyama could, could pass a little bit, but I, I think that's what, what I'm really interested to see. Like, what kind of jump do we get in terms of the assists, in terms of how much they're running through him? Because he's still giving you, you know, on a lot of nights, he's still giving you four or five assists. And, the, and you watch the Spurs, they're, they're not really making a point to get him the ball. It's been better lately than it was early in the season. But if he becomes the centerpiece of that offense, which eventually he will, I think we could see a big leap there as well. So I, yeah, he, he's somebody that I'm like scared to not take at number one next year. I, I, it, it, it's not a knock against him. You make a lot of good points, and the and the assist uh, factor. He's so good at so many other things. I, I think I overlook his passing because I'm just so enamored with the three ball. The guy of his size, his ball handling, his blocking, his steals, um, the ease of which he rebounds the basketball because of his height. That assist the assists are great, but. It's like sixth on the list for me of things that impress me about Victor Wimbanyama, uh, even though it's present. 
my concern isn't with him. It's it's the other players. I don't want to downgrade. Uh, like Gian, we didn't even mention Giannis. You know, like Giannis is still amazing, and, and all these other guys have put up such consistent numbers. You know exactly yeah. what you're going to get from Jokic, Giannis, Doncic. I can already tell you their numbers next year. It's still a projection for Victor Wembanyama, and even though it feels like a safe projection, I think I need to see. I need to see how the Spurs upgrade and what that looks like in the offseason before I could go all in with saying, yes, stamp of approval. He's my number one overall pick next year. What does this team look like? This year is not about us, uh, the, the Spurs playing a game around Victor Wembanyama. This season is all about Victor Wembanyama feeling comfortable as a professional basketball player and just kind of yeah. getting his feet under him. He's doing a remarkable job at that, running away with rookie of the year because of it. But this isn't the plan. Next year, we're going to get an idea of what the plan looks like. And I think we'll have an even better idea when we see how the Spurs spend money in free agency. Last thing I'll say on this, and I agree with everything you said, but this is the baseline, right? Like this has been the worst case scenario as far as competitiveness, as far as teammates, as far as how long it took for them to to kind of accept that he's their best player. And he's still the number seven player in fantasy basketball, right? It's like, I, I don't I don't see him regressing in any single category, right? I, I mean, I, I just don't. But they're I don't not know how, playing how real basketball, but they're not playing real basketball right now. Okay. That's my concern. They are, they're, they're kind of playing sandlot ball, and Wembenyama is so far and away the best player that's out there. I don't think he's like. There's no way he slips next year beyond the tenth best. He's mm -hmm. going to be a top ten fantasy player next year. I'm not trying to make a case against Wembenyama. I'm trying to make a case that he might not be as surefire number one overall yeah. because they might actually play a real brand of basketball next year. I, I view their growth similar to what we saw from the Houston Rockets. The Rockets went from just a, a, a what? Let's stand around and watch Jalen Green shoot the basketball to now they play real. They play real basketball. And we've seen the. The, 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 we've seen the fantasy stars and the and the um, the stats sort of shift. Alper and Shangun much more valuable now than he was a year ago because they're playing the game differently. What does that look like next year? You'll still probably have the same coach and Greg Popovich, but I think their team is going to look completely different. Yeah. All right, let's talk about some of the biggest risers and fallers year over year. You know, as you start to look ahead to to, to you know next season with that theme of of where we're taking Wembenyama. Um, you know, we're not that far for best ball season, Brandon. I'm doing an NFL best ball right now. Um, you know, right, basically right after the season ends, we'll, we'll, we'll start firing up our, our 2024, 25 content. You know, Tyrese Maxey is the obvious one who comes to mind and, you know, he's started to fade a, a little bit, but still not that much. I mean, he's top 30 player on the year was being drafted typically around pick 50. Um, I, I think people, you know, obviously Embiid will be back next season. We'll see if they make any other additions. He's going to go higher. Uh, Jalen Johnson, obviously a winner as well. I mean, he's, he's up like 60 spots compared to his Yahoo ADP. He's up closer to 80 spots, uh, in, in ESPN leagues where he was drafted later. Who else to you? Like who, is there somebody else who you're very comfortable drafting in the top 40 or 50 who would have been, you know, well outside the top 75 this year? Um, I'm not sure if he ranked outside of the top 75 going into the year, but a guy that would have been closer to that range that I feel really good about is the contemporary of Victor Wembanyama and Chet Holmgren. Yeah. He's he's kind of Wembanyama light, and it's not even that light. He's giving you all of those stats that we desire in fantasy basketball. So this is a guy 
that is zooming up the board for me um, that I'm really excited about. I'm curious to see on a on a lesser scale um, what the Bulls do to restructure their roster in the offseason. They've kind of been in this purgatory mode for the last couple of years, but if Kobe White is still their point guard to start the year next season, had a really bad game uh, last night, yep. but th- that notwithstanding, this is a guy that I think with the consistency that he's shown throughout the course of the year, I'd be willing to take a serious stab on him um, closer to that top 75 range. Uh, so those are a couple of guys that come to mind, yeah. but we've definitely seen some big time risers. I think Jalen Brunson, um, yeah. if you're talking about a more high profile player, has seen his stock go from good to great with the way yeah. that he's played this year, too. Yeah, I think there was still a little bit of, all right, we need to see this again from Jalen Brunson. And yeah, if you bought in at ADP this year, you're, you're fine. And, you know, I, I think it's going to be tougher for him to, to have a better season than he's had this year. So, you know, it's like you probably take him at cost next year and hope he just repeats it, which he should be able to. He's super durable. Um, you know, I think that the one concern would be, you know, is, is this finally the summer, Brandon, where they, they bring in another star to New York? I would say history would strongly suggest probably not. Uh, another Jalen, Jalen Duran, you know, he's he's hanging around rank 60 overall this season and you know i think much like holmgren and, and Wembenyama, pretty easy to dream on him hopefully being in a better situation feels like it cannot get any worse than it's been in detroit this year you know he had an injury earlier in the season uh the rotations have been a complete mess he's got terrible teammates around him and you know he had, he ranks basically at the top of the list of like every rebounding metric that you can find uh the only thing is for a big man like the field goal percentage is nice. He's not a terrible free throw shooter. It doesn't take that many, but he's, he's like 75%, which for a center, you'll take that. Doesn't really give you a whole lot defensively. You know, it, it'd be really nice if in addition to, you know, 14 and 14 every night, he can at least get you to a block per game. And that hasn't really been there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he still has so much room to grow as a, uh, as a player. He's, he's so physically gifted. And and even though it doesn't seem like we know what the Pistons' plan is, he's going to be a part of it. Looking at the rank, the ADP from the start of the year, he was at 112 yeah. uh, consensus ADP. So this is a guy that has clearly uh, outkicked his coverage there. Someone in his range was pick one around 116, Brandon Miller. I have yeah. I liked him a lot coming into the league. I wasn't sure what his fantasy viability would be because. They play such a LaMelo ball brand of basketball, but I wouldn't be surprised if they start to build the team around him. I think he's the best. I think he's the best winning type of basketball player. LaMelo ball is a highlight reel, but I just don't feel like he's a a winning NBA player. I think Brandon Miller is the kind of player you can build your team around. And it seems like the Hornets are starting to get that vibe as well, that he's a guy that's going to zoom up the draft board compared to where he was at the start of the year. Very, very interested to see where he goes. That's a great one. I mean, he's a top 35 player over the last 15 games. And he's still he's still mixing in some 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 bad performances, right? As any rookie would. So yeah, I I I don't know if I'm gonna be the guy who's you know leading the charge on Brandon Miller. Like I, am I taking him like in the top 40 overall next year? Probably not. Um, but certainly somebody that'll be more on my radar than he was coming into this season. In terms of fallers, I, I think LaMelo's got to be on that list, right? I mean, yeah. when he's been out there, he's looked like himself. But this is, you know, becoming a very concerning early career trend where he's played 51, 75, 36, and now currently 22 games uh, this season. I don't know if we see him again this year, the way this is going. Like, probably, but who knows? I mean, nobody's taking him with the 12th overall pick next year. It's just way too risky. No, no, not at all. I, I think that that was even – that was – 
that felt like a mistake at the time. It was just like when I mean, you look at his numbers, you go, like "How do I pass that?" Up? <laughs> I don't like injury prone players, and he yeah. is not. He is. He is definitely. First of all, his last name is Ball, which means he can't stay on the basketball floor. Um, yeah, he he's definitely somebody that's gonna. I think it goes hand in hand with the Brandon Miller evaluation. That if you like Brandon Miller, then you shouldn't like Lamelo Ball because even though they're teammates, they uh, one is gonna zoom past the other in terms of. Uh, viability and definitely trustability going into next year. Not sure trustability is a word, by the way. You might want to fact check it me is. on that. It is. I'm not, not going to check. We're just going to say it is. Okay. I got, I, I've got i got I've got a, a, a quick riser and a faller that okay. is, I'm, I'm just scanning the board of the ADP from the start of the year. Jalen Williams of the Oklahoma City Thunder, major riser, yep. right? Okay. And we don't often see this, but – Tell me if you agree, a rookie faller, we usually a guy that we get excited about as a rookie usually Ooh. moves up the next year. I'm wondering if Scoot Henderson actually moves down. He was the 70th overall pick. I think, and I was in this camp, I was on the Wembenyama Scoot Henderson train yep. um, and swing and a miss on Scoot. I don't know how much more confidence we're going to have going into next year. I don't think he's he would be a major faller, but I wonder if he dips down a little bit past 70, closer to that like 75, 80 range. So one of my rare victories this year was completely staying away from Scoot in fantasy. And I, I obviously didn't think he'd be this bad. I thought he'd be much better. But rookie guards in general, even when they play well, they don't necessarily translate to good fantasy players. I, th- I think with Scoot, all it's going to take is he has like a nice 10-game run at the end of the year, much like Shaden Sharp did last year, and everybody's going to buy back in. Uh, the problem For is sure. he's got to get back on the look court, good. right? Yeah, if, yeah. He, if, if he's just kind of in and out, like they said last night, he's going to miss probably at least three more games. You know, Portland is just horrendous on offense right now. It's been tough for them. Um, I, I think if, if he shows even like a, an inkling of, of upside down the stretch, there will be people that will buy back in. And, and I do think he'll improve, right? I'm not I'm not just like completely writing him off uh, after a bad situation in, in one year. But yeah, he's, it, you know, it doesn't really feel like there's a whole lot of scoop momentum right now. And you mentioned Jalen Williams when he was going after Josh Giddy in most drafts on average. He was going in the, the mid-80s in some formats on, on some host sites. So, yeah, he is a uh, he's a major riser as well. I mean, Jordan Poole, I think, has to be on the list of fallers, right? I mean, there's a lot of oh, people God. thought Jordan Poole was winning the scoring Free title. Uh, yeah, thankfully, I I can't claim this as a victory. I just didn't have him anywhere. I, I wasn't opposed to taking him. I you know, wouldn't say I was going out to target him, but nobody thought it was going to be this bad. I mean, this has just been an all-time you know flop season for Jordan Poole. Um I had one more, oh, McCall Bridges, who we touched on earlier, right? I mean, in some leagues, he was going as high as the 16th overall pick. That was his ADP in, in underdog, which is, you know, mostly best balls. So you got, you know, you're taking a few more chances, but I think we've had a bit of a reset on McCall Bridges. Uh, all right, let's talk, or let's hit a couple more questions and we'll be out of here. Uh, James says, any news on LaMelo? I'm sick and tired of him. Uh, same here, brother. He is single-handedly tanked what was otherwise a great NFBKC team for me. Didn't play last night. You know, he practiced about a week ago coming out of the break. That felt like a step in the right direction. There's been no news, no news to report. Uh, they play Milwaukee again in Milwaukee tomorrow. Uh, then they're at Philly on Friday, at Toronto on Sunday. I don't know. I mean, sometimes you don't see guys, you know, come back during a road trip. Who knows? Um, they're, I'm sorry. They actually are in Charlotte tomorrow. So keep an eye on that game uh, as a potential return. Again, I think we see him at some point. It's not like the Hornets are in danger of winning games when he's out there, but. Yeah, it's been just a complete disaster. 
Kobe White and Jordan Poole rest of season, asks Iman. Um, you know, if it's either or, I'm obviously taking Kobe White. But you know, we're starting to see – I don't think we have much to say on Kobe White, right? We've talked about him a ton. Like, he, he, I think it, he just kind of is who he is going forward. He's going to keep playing a ton of minutes with Zach Levine out of the mix. I think the question is Jordan Poole. It's like, are you if, – if you were somebody that dropped him, are you comfortable picking him back up? Has he shown enough since moving to the bench that that he's become viable again? Like, I, I'm still in the camp that I probably don't trust him. Um, but, you know, he's given you 3.3 threes per game since moving to the bench, 20 points. Um, the spark has been there, I guess, to some degree. He's also shooting 36%. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm i good on, on leaving him off the roster for the rest okay. of the year. All right. Uh, yeah, I, I think we can we can leave it at that. Um, we'll end on this one. George says, hey, Nick and Brandon, thoughts on what's been happening to Fred Van Vliet? Yeah, I mean, just a really bad game for Van Vliet last night. That was a competitive game against OKC until the Thunder pulled away late. Really fun game, actually. He went 2 of 11 from the field, 1 of 7 from 3. Uh, you know, the assists have been down since he came back. I'm not super worried, though. I mean, he's playing a ton of minutes. Like, it'd, it'd be a different story if, you know, they were marginalizing him and he's playing, like, 31 minutes. But, um, you know, he was limited a bit his first game back. Since then, 37, 38, 36 minutes. Uh, we kind of know who Van Vliet is, right? Even even in his peak Toronto days, he would still mix in these these bad shooting nights. Yeah, um, I, I think the shooting volume just needs to the, the shooting volume needs to increase. But he's not the kind of guy that's just going to chuck up shots if it's not there. Doesn't feel like it is right now. So he's letting other teammates get involved. They have enough guys on that team that can shoot. So if uh, if you don't feel like you have it, there's uh, there's no harm in passing the rock. And his assist numbers for the most part have been there. So um, not overly concerned. All right, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, you can hear more NBA talk on the Roadwire NBA show. Check that out on Sirius XM, 7 to 7.30 Eastern every night. That's myself and Alex Barutha. Uh, and listen to us on Fantasy Sports Radio as well. Roadwire Fantasy Sports today, uh, 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Thursday. I'm there with Jeff Erickson. Uh, we do have a shortened show today, though. We're, we're only doing one hour because of the FSWA Awards. So, uh, hopefully we'll we'll be you know doing a guest spot on there, Brandon. We are up for an FSWA award for this very podcast, uh, so we will know in the next couple of hours if we can bring that one home. Uh, it's been a great year for Rotowire on the award side of things. Great chat with you as always, and again, go check out Brandon's Prize Picks videos. You can find those on the Rotowire NBA Twitter account, the Rotowire Twitter account. Uh, we post those as YouTube Shorts as well, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, good exposure for the Rotowire Picks tool. Good exposure for our guy Brandon, uh, who typically hits at a high rate. So. Check those out. Like, subscribe to our channel as well. That helps us out immensely. We'll be doing these five episodes per week through the end of the NBA season. We got Dr. Ray and Rick Kamala coming up tomorrow, and then Alex Barutha with Ken and Shannon talking waiver wire on Friday.